How can you not be romantic about baseball? Bringing a high drive to left. This baby's way back. It is out of here. I don't believe what I just saw. Coswell slashes one foul. Oh, that hit a bird, and it bounces back into fair territory. Oh, I got to I got to check the rule book on this one, folks. I'm too drunk to taste this chicken. Our ass is in the jackpot now. You're listening to Booze and Baseball. There's 50 feet of crap. And then there's us. A baseball first podcast, sort of, featuring Derek Johnson. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. And Dusty Baker. I heard that. Dynamite drop-in money. That broadcast school has really paid off. So sit back and enjoy the talk around the diamonds with a cold one in hand. Today's secret ingredient is I love scotch. I love scotch. Scotch is got scotch. Here it goes down. Down into my belly. Welcome into another edition of Booth and Baseball at the half century mark. Episode number 50 for you here on BNB. And our throwback chug stat of the day, April 15th, 1987, Milwaukee beats Baltimore 7 nothing. They got a complete game shutout from Juan Nieves. And the importance of this, that put Milwaukee at 9-0 and to start the season. They went on to start 13-0, and then 17-1, and then 20-3, and and they still didn't make the playoffs. Uh, they went 71-68 and from then on, so finished 91-71, and which nowadays would be good enough to make it. But at the time, they were only third in the AL East. There were only two divisions. Detroit won 98 games. Toronto won 96. So didn't even make the playoffs. A good reminder that a hot start is nice, but it's not everything. You know, Derek does some of these throwback stats, and I sit back and I'm like, dang, man, like you did some digging here. And that's, a, that's probably one of your best ones that you dug up. Uh, I really like this one a lot just because it does show you how April can and, and 91 and 71 is a really good record. So honestly, that was pretty good ball club that they had, but it does show that April doesn't tell the whole story. So this is the time when overreactions take place all the time. Um, all of a sudden we're talking about how Steven Kwan is the new MVP. Like it's just crazy <laughs> stuff like that. Right. And so um, th- this is overreaction central, but uh, this is a good throwback, Derek. I, I really like this one. Episode 50 kicking off the right way. Um, Probably one of your best throwbacks that you've ever come up with because that one really is pertinent. And a 20-3 and three start to open a season and not making the playoffs, that would be detrimental. And I think uh, that would lead to a coach being fired if that happened in this modern era as we speak. So I'm a little under the weather, losing my voice a little bit here. Um, I see, I think, a Michelob Ultra Guinness in the background. Are you drinking anything on tonight's episode? You see the the Guinness in the background. That one will never be touched. So what Derek's looking at right there, that Guinness behind me, I will probably keep on my table for the rest of my life. I got this one perfect Guinness. Maybe maybe when I'm 80-something years old and I'm ready to kick the can, then that's when I'm going to drink it down. But I got this from the uh, – actual legitimate Guinness factory and it's one of their uh their key brews in in one of the bottles that they don't sell anymore and so I was I I don't feel like I should ever open that because as a diehard Guinness fan well that's that's just too perfect for me not to give up and at the same time it's always there to tempt me 
and it reminds me that there is Guinness at the store I can still go and buy. So I right, wait. I I have I have questions here. One, does it stay okay sitting outside? It is a beer. Does it stay carbonated? And and question two, like what is the moment that you would open it? Uh, a child's birth, the Dodgers winning uh, another World Series. Like uh, what are we talking here? Yeah, no, um, I think that moment's going to have to come up. It, it, apparently, so Guinness doesn't really have to be carbonated, right? Like, it's, it's at that point where it's still condensed. Uh, my guess is it'll be very condensed at the bottom. But I had actually asked people at St. Uh, James Gate, and I said, you know, like, what's the point in time to when you can't open this anymore? And they said, technically, there's not really a given date for Guinness particularly. But um, I would imagine over time it's at that point when it's not particularly the greatest and it's probably just straight up alcohol. But I still will do it. I, it's just a matter of – it's not an if, it's a when. I will say probably <laughs> – I don't know. I, I'll get back to you on that one. Maybe when the Dodgers win the World Series in front of fans <laughs> and not in a pandemic, maybe that's when it will deserve the moment to do that. So, But for today, I have kind of whipped together something tiny um, – you know, I created my version of an AMF, and uh, it's not the greatest. I've already had a couple sips of it, but um, if you've never had an AMF, just go ahead and look it up online or go to your local college bar. It won't be difficult to get, and it is incredibly sugary, and I can already kind of feel the sugar rush going to my head right now as we speak. And are you drinking, I guess, just cough syrup? Is that what we're drinking today? No, I'm just going with the classic water, some cough drops mixed in there as you uh, chug down your, your blue drink. But we are going to play a fun drinking style MLB game today. Um, I'm sure you're well aware with a happy hour. We actually here in the Johnson household, it has become a thing that when uh, our sports teams are not doing well, my wife will start a power hour and they'll just start doing well. Um, so what we're going to do is is how power hour works. You take one shot, so basically one ounce of beer every minute for an hour. We're not going to do a full hour, but hey, there's 30 teams in the MLB. So we're going to do a power half hour with updates on all the MLB teams, all 30 teams here with the start of the season. Everybody's through, I think, at least two series with uh, the time of this airing of this podcast team starting up maybe their third series of the season. So we're just going to go in order from the team with the best record onto the team with the worst record. And we're going to have a minute to talk. I'll talk for 30 seconds or so. You talk for 30 seconds or so. I've got the timer in front of me. Are you ready to get started? I am so ready, Derek, for this. And uh, let's get drunk on baseball. All right. I love it. All right. I'm starting the timer. First up, Colorado Rockies are 4-1 and one on the year. I will say the pitching, I don't really think it's that sustainable. They have a 2.5 ERA right now. But I actually am kind of digging the depth of hitters they have. Chris Bryant, C.J. Crone, Brendan Rodgers, Charlie Blackman, Connor Joe, uh, Randall Gritchick. Like, that's a lot of guys. Garrett Hampson, Sam Hilliard, who can at least be solid hitters. What are your thoughts on uh, the Rockies through the first start of the season? Best in the NL West right now. Yeah, as a, uh, as a fantasy guy, I mean, you got to look at the bats that you just mentioned right there. And I think fantasy relevance, uh, Connor Joe may actually be incredibly relevant this season from a fantasy perspective. This may be one of those early overreactions, but he started at the time of recording six of 19, two home runs, 316 average, 684 slugging. I, I feel like those numbers play in a longer depth considering how he played last season as well. Chris Bryant's looking exactly like what he was advertised. I think Randall Gritchick will hit 30 home runs this year possibly and that average could possibly stay up where it's at right now um i'm curious to see elias diaz could he be a sleeper value ding ding there's minute number one 
nice. in the books. All nice. right, team number two. I'm resetting the timer. The New York Mets. The Mets are five and two on the season, even without Jacob Degrom so far. Um, I think that this is just a team that I'm in on, and I feel like they're going to be buyers at the trade deadline because of the fact that they have Steve Cohen. Um, I think that you know they are getting more than enough from Max Scherzer. Um, I like what Tyler McGill has brought to the table for them. So uh, I'm, I'm just in on the Mets. I think they're, they're legit. Tyler McGill looks like a possible steal in fantasy right now, opening with a 10 and a third innings pitched. Scoreless baseball, 11 Ks in that frame as well. Not a quality start just yet, but two wins. Good beginning for him. Chris Bassett also looking good in his opening start. Six innings uh, gets the win, eight strikeouts as well. So good opening start for the Mets pitching side. As for the hitting, who would have thought that Brandon Nimmo may have come out of his shell finally, 333 average. He's always had high on base percentage. Could he be fantasy relevant? I think maybe so. Uh, we'll maybe not jump the gun just yet on that, though. Okay, team number three, the St. Louis Cardinals made the wild card last year. They haven't played a ton of games. Rainouts have uh, killed them. They're 3-1 and one on the season, though. Adam Wainwright has looked good again to start the year. I thought Dakota Hudson looked really good for them, but I, I still don't know really what to think of him uh, long-term. Nolan Arenado has been absolute nails. I think uh, maybe the biggest breakout – uh, that I've seen so far is is Dylan Carlson. I didn't really know what to think last year. The power numbers weren't really there for them. He has been really good to start the year, and if that continues on for them, that's a really good sign moving forward. I would say from a fantasy perspective, never stream Steven Matz based off what we saw in that opening series. I mean, against the Pirates. I don't know, man. When they're at home against some of those NL Central teams, I, I still would want to dig into it. It's tough with this rotation. I think Flaherty coming back will be very important for them if he can come back healthy. But like you had mentioned right there, Arenado, an unbelievable opening week as well with three home runs. Dylan Carlson looks like he's as good as advertised. He was a top prospect at one point. Feels like his name kind of fell off. Tyler O'Neill, a little slow to get started, but I uh, don't expect that to be a problem. Same for Paul Goldschmidt. And then Albert Pujols hitting a home run. That was fun to watch. Still don't own him in fantasy. And also getting caught stealing really bad. Next team <laughs> is the Toronto Blue Jays. Toronto is 4-2 and two to start out the year. Vladimir Guerrero just put on a show in New York. Um, he looks like the MVP favorite at this point because of Otani struggling to start out the year. Um, Bo Bichette has still yet to get going for them. I, I think that one thing I'm, I'm really monitoring – Alejandro Kirk has really struggled for them, a catcher, and they have a guy waiting in the wings who put up monstrous AAA stats last year. What point does Gabriel Moreno come up? And if he comes up and hits like he did in the minors, man, this lineup just gets even more scary. Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if Moreno gets called up quicker than we uh, expect as well because that kid is an absolute machine and very well slept on considering a top-ten prospect. Vlad Guerrero Jr. does look like the possible MVP favorite already right now. Cannot stop trying to just hit dingers at this point. I mean, that's all he does. He even actually got stitches after that. So to tell you the, the least, I mean, when he's healthy, I mean, this guy is going to be unbelievable. Alec Manoa, the way that he started, he looks as good as he finished last year. And then how about Romero, or actually Romano? Uh, four saves and four chances so far. Four strikeouts. The number four going well for him right there. The, uh, the Blue Jays look scary. They're going to be maybe the division winners this year. And Blue Jays are one of many four and two teams. The Houston Astros are another. Um, Kyle Tucker's been off to a slow start, but Alex Bregman has really picked up for them. Um, Jose Altuve also off to a slow start. How about Jeremy Pena, man? Um, this was a guy that was kind of 
uh, as spring training went on, it was like, oh, maybe we have something to watch here. Um, also, Justin Verlander returns. I, I just – the Astros machine just, just keeps going on, man. And uh, I just have so much respect. Michael Brantley, I love that dude. For Amber Valdez, you saw him pitch a gem against the uh, Angels in the season opener. I am a little worried about Ryan Presley, though. Yeah, uh, Framber confuses me a little bit because that opener, he was dominant. I was there for that. Uh, Got to say hi to my man Dusty in the process, which was cool. Um, how about this? Okay, Jose Siri is a guy that I really like, and it's because he's got uh, – his peripherals look really good. He's got incredible power and speed as well. The question is, is he going to get a chance because that lineup is completely loaded across the board? I think if they give him a chance, watch out. He is a sleeper piece fantasy-wise. Alex Bregman looks like he's back. And uh, once you mentioned there also, Pena, just unbelievable. If your Don can get healthy, which it seems like he's not right now, I, I'm not too worried about him in the long run. Same for Tucker as well. Okay, the next team is the Cleveland Guardians. And uh, Shane Bieber putting up good numbers, but the velocity and some of that stuff is down. I got to meet his parents, so that's cool. Take a shot of Patron um, every time before one of his starts. So cool little story there that goes well with BNB. Um, I, I'm just weirded out by Cleveland, and, and this goes in line with Stephen Kwan, but like everyone is hitting. Jose Ramirez is hitting like 500. As a team, they have a 907 OPS right now with a team that you're like, wait, how? With a team that has Owen Miller and Stephen Kwan. So I don't really think this one's sustainable, but good for them. This has been so fun to watch because it's so unpredictable. And uh, yeah, off the you know path of Jose Ramirez, obviously he's living up to exactly what that contract that he signed is meant for. But Owen Miller, the way that he is hit, he's come out of nowhere, hit two oppo shots. Um, I mean, over 500 average for him. How about Miles Straw, by the way, as well? Four steals already and then a 360 average at the time of recording. And then, yes, all the talk has been about Stephen Kwan because who doesn't want to talk about Stephen Kwan? That guy can't seem to miss a pitch. Uh, he literally didn't until six games into the season, right? So unbelievable what the Guardians have done. Um, glad that we're getting that name right. And uh, maybe the name change is also helping their offense change. Okay, the next team up is the Chicago White Sox, also at 4-2 and two on the season. Um, Dylan Cease, I thought, looked really good for them. I really like this team's bullpen. I like the potential of Michael Kopech. Bad news, though, with uh, the Lucas Giolito injury. Obviously, already Lance Lynn on the mend as well. It, it is starting to become something where, you know, is our, our injury is going to derail this season. And, and that was a question last year as well with Eloy Jimenez getting injured and, and eventually kind of, uh, getting back to things at the end of the season. But I still love the lineup for this team. And uh, Luis Robert having the big breakout, a lot of people were expecting. Yeah, no doubt. I'm a, I'm a little worried about the injuries as well, Derek. You have A.J. Pollock that hit the I.L. after two days. Um, Eloy Jimenez is a bit of an ankle injury as well. But the thing is about this White Sox team, they just have so much depth and talent across the board that it doesn't scare me enough to, to pick anybody else other than them in this division. I will say this. Gavin Sheets' slow start is really good considering that Andrew Vaughn has been – playing as well as he has and if this continues you're gonna see Vaughn get a full-time starting role right there considering the way that he's hit early on man this could be dangerous if he lives up to the potential that he has as well okay the San Francisco Giants also four and two they've gone two and one in the first two series for both of them really like the pitching a lot of pitching depth one through five for the Giants and Carlos Rodon and Logan Webb have looked really good as a one-two punch um, the hitting I'm still kind of worried about uh, how they hit left-handed pitchers. Fortunately, there's more righties than lefties, but there are certainly some big lefties to uh, be aware of. I, 
Uh, the sleeper guy that I'm looking at right now, Tyro Estrada, I don't know how much he'll play when Tommy Lestella and Evan Longoria are back, but he's played really well at the end of last year. He's played well so far to start this year. Uh, I wish that there was a fantasy category for upsetting the other team because the Giants would then clearly get a, a point for that. How about Mauricio Dubon's perfect bunt? I loved that. I thought that was that was great. I, I enjoyed every moment of that. As for the rest of the team, Brandon Belt is belting the ball exactly like how he did last year, hitting over 400 in the process, slugging an incredible amount at 875 at the time of recording. Jock Peterson. It's small sample size, but hitting above 300, that's rare. Uh, maybe the Giants have solved something with him, too, uh, rejoining Farhan as well. Um, and at the end of the day, I love Joey Bart. I think Bart's going to be a special piece on this team moving forward. On to our three and two teams, the Chicago Cubs. I've seen some good efforts from Drew Smiley, Marcus Stroman, Justin Steele, all five innings of work and all really good numbers there. I'm, I'm really curious on uh, Justin Steele. He uh, was a guy that came up last year and, and I think has some good stuff. So he's one I'm definitely keeping an eye on. Uh, the hitting has not been great. It's not been bad so far. Patrick Wisdom, Frank Schwindel have kind of struggled. They are just getting buoyed right now. Seiya Suzuki has been fantastic. His O swing rate, he's not swinging at anything outside of the strike zone. And Ian Happ has just been on fire to start the year as well. Yeah, how about say his fantasy value? You know, Derek and I made a trade in our league, and uh, nobody's lost that trade, in my opinion. Mm. Derek got Andrew Vaughn, I got Seiya Suzuki, and uh, I think both of us are perfectly content with the production that we're getting on both ends. Seiya looking incredible, three home runs already. A lot of people wondered if he was going to be able to catch up to the league. I'd say the league's trying to catch up to him as well. Yeah, he's been fantastic. Okay, the uh, next three and two team is the L.A. Dodgers. Your neck of the woods there. Uh, with the Dodgers and you know you you lose a series to the Rockies in cores for the first time since 2018 oh no big time panic but uh, no the Dodgers are going to be all right there are some questions you know uh, Cody Bellinger actually has an okay OPS but still some some you know issues there for Cody Bellinger some issues with Julio Urias I know you have um, but overall they still have a, a really good lineup maybe not as depth or as deep as as some years past but uh, Gavin Lux has been really impressive to start the year, and, and he was a guy that I was kind of looking to see if he'd have a big breakout. Yeah, who would have thought also that Austin Barnes would be currently, at the time of recording, lead the team in home runs? I mean, that's exactly how you drop the opening season uh, start. But, um, yeah, Julio is scaring me a little bit. Uh, the velocity down, uh, career low in his opening start in Coors Field. We know that chaos happens there. Give him another start and see what happens. But if there's trouble against the Cincinnati Reds, then there may be trouble with Julio Arias. Uh, but at the end of the day, I love Gavin Lux. I think that Lux is at least as of right now living up to the potential that we all expected from him when he was a top prospect. Okay, next up is the Oakland Athletics, who are expected to be one of the worst teams. But, hey, they're off to a 4-3 and three start, so good for them. Um, I'm big on Frankie Montas. He, he struggled a bit against the Phillies, but I think that's just a, a really good lineup. And he – Came back and yesterday pitched really well against the uh, Tampa Bay Rays. Um, two notes uh, that are of interest for me from the Oakland days. Actually, three. One, the uh, slow-mo shot of Sean Murphy getting hit with the pitch on his uh, butt and you know him had just having the strongest gluteus maximus ever was interesting. Uh, Christian Pache, he's always been a fielder, but he's hitting 304 right now. If that continues, he's going to get playing time because the defense and speed, something to watch. And then how about this? Um, Jed Lowry, make a note at the beginning of every year, grab Jed Lowry, hold on to him for the first two weeks, then dump. Yeah, that's good. I, I like that. Uh, cause Lowry always seems to produce from a fantasy perspective. Generally it's injuries that'll derail him as well. And he, he's on the older end. So, uh, yeah, you don't really expect 
anything future value from him. In terms of the rest of the team, I guess you have to look at the pitching. The A's always have these one flyer, two flyer kind of guys. Um, Paul Blackburn with a nice opening start as well. And that was against the Tampa Bay Rays on the road. Goes five innings, uh, gets seven strikeouts and the win as well. And his whip at uh, under one at .8. So I'm curious to see if there's actually any value there or if that's just a, you know, a one hit wonder type of guy probably the latter but uh you never know keep an eye and uh, pencil in paul blackburn is a guy that could do that okay the tampa bay rays are four and three and you know i i like a lot of these pitchers but luis patino that injury kind of stinks love their bullpen um how about the hitting though g-man Choi through the first two series i don't know maybe he is like mvp through those first two series over a 1700 OPS. I, I know Stephen Kwan probably in the lead of that first two series MVP, but he's right there as well. And uh, dare I say it, Wander Franco is already a top five, top 10 player. He's hitting 380 right now. Yeah, I mean, Wander Franco is a special talent. And uh, if you're in a keeper league and you didn't select him and you had the chance to, shame on you, my friend, because you, uh, you're you no longer my friend, you're my enemy. Uh, I would take that opportunity <laughs> if I could. Uh, Franco's special talent. I don't know if G-Man Choi is going to be able to keep this up, mainly because he is in kind of a platoon more so. Um, the rest of the team, I would say Francisco Mejia is one that stood out to me a little bit. A 417 average, uh, limited at-bats, but um, remember, top prospect at one point could potentially produce at that level. And, uh, yeah, outside of that, fantasy-wise, I would say Rosa Reina has really got to pick it up if he wants to maintain his value moving forward. Padres are also 4-3 and three out of the NL West. Shamanaya has made that move look really good. He was a guy that I was very interested in because I thought there was a little more there than what he had been providing, and uh, maybe San Diego is going to get that out of him. Um, as far as you Darvish getting blown up, I don't worry about it too much. I think he's going to be okay this season. Um, the hitting has not been there, but Jerkson Profar becomes an interesting fantasy option because he can play a lot of positions. He's getting a lot of playing time right now. And he's having quite the season at the moment. Yeah, uh, I don't expect Eric Hosmer to keep doing what he's been doing, but Profar is interesting. Remember, a former top prospect as well. Uh, he's very well removed from that at this point, but we always knew he had potential. Manny Machado's got to step it up. And there's actually a lot of guys, as you had mentioned, in this lineup that really need to figure it out early on here. Um, I'm going to say Luke Voigt is the one that's going to be a very droppable player here in the coming days and weeks because uh, I feel like maybe he is done. I might eat my words. You never know. These are the overreactions that you have. but. Boy has not impressed me with his at-bats thus far. And C.J. Abrams, uh, we thought he might be ready for it, but uh, he's kind of scaring me early on here that he may be one of those guys that needs a little more time before he can really make that adjustment at the major league level. The New York Yankees are 3-3. Three and three. You know what's weird? That they're 3-3. Three and three. They're a team that I think could do some damage in the playoffs, yet at the same point in time, like this is one of those teams that I don't have a ton of takeaways through the first two games. Um, the hitting is about in line with what you'd expect. The bullpen, I think, is actually pretty nasty. My biggest takeaway from the Yankees is, like, Garrett Cole is, like, just gets on my nerves at this point, which is weird because I, I loved what he was doing with the Astros. And, you know, saying making the excuse of the, the first game didn't work because it, like, started four minutes late and that was an, an unforeseen hurdle to overcome. Like, come on, dude. Yeah, I uh, I own Garrett Cole in fantasy and uh, may eventually be looking to ship him elsewhere because of those same comments. I mean, if you're a competitor, if you're a winner, you accept your failure, you learn from it, and you move on. You don't make excuses for every little thing. Um, Garrett Cole has not had any quality starts yet, and yes, it's early, and it's been against two very solid teams, but 
he concerns me. He concerns me a little bit. The only thing that maybe is sticking out is something that I'm not overly concerned about with him is that his whip's still been relatively low. Um, so runs have still been scoring in bunches, though. That scares me a little bit. Offensively, how about Anthony Rizzo? Anthony Rizzo looking like vintage Rizzo back when he was with the Cubs. Three home runs start as well um i'm curious to see if this whole parade that has rizzo judge uh lemayhew torres stanton all hitting well is that going to continue if so yeah they could be really dangerous the next team is the la angels also three and three to start and what sticks out to me with the angels is just a lot of um I don't know. It, disappointment is too harsh of a word through two series because it just takes one good series and you're back to fine. But like Shohei Otani has a 360 OPS. Anthony Rendon has a 505. Joe Adele has a 533. Mike Trout is only hitting 200. He still has an 835 OPS though because he's amazing. David Fletcher is hurt. Like there's a lot of guys that have high expectations and need to have good seasons for this team to be a playoff contender. And they're just not right now. The biggest frustration for me with the Angels is that Matt Duffy's season-long and actually lengthy uh, hit streak came to a close on April the 11th. He had at that time the most, <laughs> the longest active hitting streak. Um, I'm actually really shocked by how Matt Duffy is hitting. He's hitting 444, and uh, I think he's probably one of those underrated guys who has more in-person value. But yeah, the Angels have got to turn it on. One guy that does actually interest me is Jack Mayfield. He's had very limited at-bats, but he's made the most of those in the process. I would say Noah Syndergaard start. Very, very revealing that he still got it in him. And same for Lorenzen. You know, going to the starting pitcher role looked pretty impressive in his opening start as well. Maybe the Angels actually are pitching? I don't know. I don't know if I'm ready to say that yet. Yeah, we'll uh, wait and see. The next team, Milwaukee Brewers, are 3-3. Three and three. Corbin Burns bounced back from his first start. Brandon Woodruff um, has not looked that good over a 70 RA through two starts for him. But I expect him to be fine. I think the pitching staff is going to be fine for them. Again, though, the, the hitting has been kind of what we expected coming into the year so far. Again, very small sample size, but they don't really have thumpers right now. Like, Rowdy Telez has been really good to start for them. Um, but outside of that, like, the regulars who are playing every day aren't really getting it going. I don't know. Do you the, like the start for Christian Yelich hitting 261 with a 400 OBP? I mean, I, I, I'm kind of out on Yelich still. I feel like at least out on the, the vintage Yelich that we all expect from him. Um, I, he's not slugging, you know, that's what concerns me. Um, I'm curious to see if they give Keston here more chances. Uh, I think that they should. Um, but obviously the only issue is that Rowdy Telez is the guy that technically blocks him at first base. So if Keston gets those at bats, it's going to have to be at second base, which Colton Wong has not looked good, but can he spell Colton Wong? I, I don't know. Maybe we, because we have a DH, there's going to be other opportunities, but you have McCutcheon in that spot. The Brewers are just not the most sexy offense. and. Uh, you know what really scares me is Hunter Renfro has been very far from productive at this time. The Boston Red Sox to this point in the season are a three and three team right now. And um, Trevor Story started a little bit slow. I know you're high on Trevor Story, but Rafael Devers has been so good to start the year for them. I, I think that it's going to be tough sledding with how many good teams are in that division. I don't know if they have quite the pitching depth, so to speak, uh, both in terms of the starters and the bullpen. Chris Sale still hurt. Tanner Houck looked a little bit shaky in his first start. Uh, I'm kind of wondering if even through two, I don't know, series, if maybe I'm souring a little bit on the Red Sox. Yeah, I mean, I picked them early on here to make a pretty decent run, and I'm not going to jump out just yet. Uh, you know, they're one of those teams where they'll make a, any sort of move at the deadline to, or, or earlier at the deadline to address the need. So I'm not 
particularly worried. Uh, my concern maybe right now at the time is who exactly is getting the ball in the ninth inning. Um, as of right now, you still would assume it's Barnes, but he hasn't gotten it yet there. So um, curious to see what happens. Hansel Robles, uh, Robles looks like maybe he actually could end up being their closer. Um, so that's going to be interesting to monitor moving forward. The Phillies are three and three. I'm in on the Phillies. They uh, haven't really seen the hitting come around for like Kyle Schwarber yet, but I think that will. I think he still is going to have a very big season. And uh, I think the Phillies are going to be one of the best hitting teams in the MLB. Aaron Nola hasn't looked that great through two starts. Kyle Gibson, though, that was one that I thought when he got traded, like the balloon was going to pop after just having a nice little stretch with Texas. He looked really good. Um, I I think that this Phillies pitching staff might end up being better than I thought, which is a pretty good sign when they have that lineup. Yeah, I don't know if I buy Gibson just yet. Uh, he had kind of a rough second star, too, against the Marlins to a degree compared to what he did in the first star, which was complete dominance. Um, but I will say I, I buy this team, too, just because that offense is so good. Um, I really love, and it's not just because my team name is Stotts Tots, but I really like Bryson Stott a lot. I think that he's uh, – exactly what they need in that lineup which is more of a guy that can actually get base hits and, and hit for average uh, because they've got a lot of guys with just great heavy pop um, and so I think he fits in there well it's just a question mark of how is this playtime going to be with him having to switch off with Didi Gregorius is it also going to be Alec Baum who's actually hit well in his very limited appearances I mean we have five plate appearances from him uh, three hits and five at-bats so curious to see what happens it seems though at this time like Stott has that starting position Okay, the Washington Nationals are three and four. I could talk, you know, wax poetic about Juan Soto and everything. Josh Bell's off to a nice start. But uh, I'm curious if, if maybe we're finally seeing the, the tail end of Nelson Cruz. Bad start for him. Wouldn't be surprised if he turns it around. Kyber Ruiz off to a 300 start, limited plate appearances. But I'm a little disappointed because Lane Thomas and Victor Robles, who I was eyeing both of those guys as opportunity to play a lot in this lineup that doesn't have a lot of mainstays, both of them have not taken advantage so far. I'm really disappointed in Alcides Escobar. I was really high on him. No, no, I'm kidding. I'm not, oh, no, no, no. I was no, going to say. <laughs> Alcides Escobar was one of 19. That's to be expected. But Victor Robles of uh, going 0 for 15 to start the season, that is really disappointing considering he was a top prospect at one point. Um, Juan Soto continues to be Juan Soto, and I think his numbers are going to be hurt by just the fact that he's going to be walked a bunch. And uh, so his – Auburn base percentage could literally be 500 by the end of the year. I wouldn't even be shocked. Josh Bell looks decent. Mariners are off to a three and four start, which if I told you that the Mariners were going to be uh, having a 596 OPS through the first seven games, if they would be right around 500 or three and four, I think you'd take that. Adam Frazier's hitting 133. Mitch Hanniger's at 138. Jesse Winker's at 136. Eugenio Suarez at 182. Julio Rodriguez, 095. Jared Kellenick, 158. Abraham Toro, 063. All that is going to move up. This almost makes me feel even better about the Mariners that they're playing near 500 ball because the pitching and the bullpen can be that good. Yeah, no doubt about that. And the guy that's been breakout for them so far, J.P. Crawford's probably the guy we talked about absolutely zero. So <laughs> – Ty France looks good. It's basically picking up right where he left off. Eugenio Suarez is doing exactly what we always expect of him. And, uh, yeah, I'm curious to see long-term here what Julio Rodriguez does in the first season um, because we know he's going to be really good. But uh, some guys just don't catch up as early as other guys. But I expect him to be really good long-term. Uh, Robbie Ray had kind of a rough second start. That was against the White Sox. I expect him to rebound as well. I think the Mariners are going to be just fine. The Atlanta Braves defending World Series champions on the season. 
They are at three and four right now. Max Freed off to a little bit of a shaky start. How about Charlie Morton, though, coming back? Um, Spencer Strider is very interesting for me. I'm, I'm very much monitoring him. He has uh, pretty interesting stuff um, as far as that goes. But, yeah, Ian Anderson struggled a little bit, too. I think they're going to be just fine. Matt Olson has picked up right where Freddie Freeman left off. He's been fantastic to start the year for the Atlanta Braves. And, yeah, they're, they're just a good team. I think the pitching will come around. Marcelo Zuna is looking like what he looked like past, uh, obviously before all the crazy incident and everything going on there. I mean, he, he could be some real sneaky value that was picked way later in drafts. Um, the guy that I'm very intrigued by actually right now is Travis Darno because Darno had a very rough season a year ago. He looks like as of right now, he, I mean, he's hitting above 300. He looks comfortable at the plate. Um, I don't know if you saw when he got hit by the pitch uh, that was thrown by D strange Gordon, uh, but probably the funniest thing I've ever seen him collapsing on like a five mile per hour fastball. That was pretty funny. The Kansas city Royals on the season are two and three, but they have a minus 15 run differential worse than the MLB. That's because they gave up 17, one game to the Cleveland guardians, the pitching, they need to get rid of their pitching coach. It's been a thing for a while now. They just keep trying to rely on these sinkers. It's not working. I will say Brad Keller looked pretty good. Zach Greinke looks pretty good, but the young guys are not clicking right now. Um, Bobby Witt has started slow. That'll be something to monitor. Same with Whit Merrifield because he's getting a little bit older. Uh, the hitting has just not come around for the Royals. I, I don't think they're as good as I, I might have thought before the season. But Andrew Benintendi, he's on fire. Benintendi is on fire. Uh Everything I expected with Adalberto Modesty is starting to play out uh, per usual for what I, what I saw. I thought he was the most overrated player, picked way too high um, because everybody wants the steals from him, which he does have a steal. But I will say I am very interested to still monitor Nicky Lopez, um, picking up right where he left off from last season as well, hitting above 300. Uh, if he can offer up some stolen bases, maybe he actually gives you the value that you thought you would get from Adalberto Modesty, uh, for all we know. And then, yes, Andrew Benatendi, hitting uh, above 400. Uh, I'm expecting that Bobby Wood Jr. is going to be just fine. Derek and I talked about it. He usually is a guy that clicks a little later on in his seasons. And give him time. He'll, he'll be just fine. Okay. Uh, the Pittsburgh Pirates right now on the season are sitting at 2-3. and three. I love the start for Cabrian Hayes. Um, I'm really just waiting for O'Neill Cruz uh, to come up here and, and to see more of Ronzi Contreras. I know he didn't fare too well in his first appearance in an inning in two-thirds, but I really like the stuff that he has. Mitch Keller was not able to translate over his strong spring training and, and the stuff he showed into the regular season. I don't know. There's something about him that it just it, it isn't working, even though a lot of stuff says it should. And I guess Brian Reynolds, that's a, a newsworthy thing. He got a two-year extension. Vanessa Hudgens, break up with Cole Tucker. What are you doing? You picked a guy that literally <laughs> can't hit a baseball. I mean, come on now. Like, you literally could pick anybody and you chose the worst player on the Pirates. Come on now. Um, yeah, Brian Hayes looks really good. Diego Castillo has my attention. I will say that. Uh, can play second base, third base, hitting for average. Uh, haven't seen the pop necessarily, but um, there's been some late kind of trendy hype around him. Interested to see what he kind of, kind of does throughout the season if he actually has a role. Um, also kind of interesting, but Bednar um, still kind of picking up where he left off. Will he get save opportunities? That remains to be seen because Will Crow has leached one from him. So uh, on to the Detroit Tigers, who are 2-4. and four. Austin Meadows, that trade has worked wonders for them to start the year. He's been on fire. Spencer Torkelson has not. And maybe this is a um, – like this is part of the reason I don't like taking young players in one-year leagues. It, it takes a lot of time. Like that's the case. Bobby Witt, Julio Rodriguez. Jared Kellenick, Spencer Torkelson, but maybe this is the time to go get him in, in Dynasty if somebody is way too impatient. 
Um, so I, I guess that's really my biggest note from the Tigers. But uh, I will say Matt Manning looked pretty good, maybe of interest. I guess we'll wait and see. Yeah, Matt Manning definitely could offer. I mean, you know, one start, you can't buy off one start. But he was a top prospect at one point. So, uh, yeah, I would not be so quick to dismiss him either. So, Javier Baez, a pretty decent start for him as well. But Austin Meadows is the talk on the offensive side. The way that he's just exploded, he actually has a full-time role. I guarantee you those numbers are way better this year because he's not in some ridiculous platoon that the Rays put on him as a guy that has the talent that should be a starter on most teams. The Minnesota Twins are sitting at uh, two and four right now on the season. And uh, I don't know, I, I just still don't really buy into the pitching. Byron Buxton's only hitting 217, but because he's slugging 696, he still has a 976 OPS. Like, uh, he is so much fun when he's healthy, but that's obviously a big caveat. I think they're going to be a much better hitting team. I mean, clearly, they're hitting 181 right now with a 618 OPS. Cray is going to get above 211. Buxton's going to hit above 217. Max Kepler's going to hit above 167. Kirilov has struggled to start. Really, the only guy with a good average is Luis Arias, which you kind of expect that. But uh, I, I think the hitting will get going. I'm just not big on their pitching. I'm a little worried with Buxton against lefty pitching because he just looked lost against Andrew Heaney and uh, Clayton Kershaw. But my gosh, I mean, he's torched uh, the Mariners before that series. So that's yet another overreaction. Buxton is very fun to watch. Um, offensively for the rest of them, yeah, I could see some significant drop-off for Jorge Polanco. Um, at, at the end of the day, this team is, uh, I still think, a decent competitor. And uh, from a fantasy standpoint, not much changes in my head. The closer position is the one that's interesting to monitor. Is Yoan Duran going to be the guy? He's looked pretty good so far, I guess, early on here. Um, but uh, nobody's had a save opportunity just yet to be able to actually hold on to. So curious to see what happens there. Arizona Diamondbacks are also two and four on the season. The hitting has been very bad for them. Um, but how about Seth Beer? Seth Beer has been really good to start the year. I'm really excited for when they unveil that outfield with Corbin Carroll and uh, Seth Beer and I don't know Alec Thomas maybe he comes up at some point soon but also he's been kind of slow to start in AAA so maybe it'll be a little bit longer for him and they're just kind of a team I'm, I'm curious for you know looking to see who can take advantage of playing time especially when we get to the deadline and, and more guys get traded away. Tough start for Cattell Marte. Don't expect that to continue. Marte is a professional hitter. He should be just fine moving forward. I do like Seth Beer a lot. Uh, I think that there could actually be future value with him, both in a one-year and a keeper league as well. Um, kind of bummed that I didn't pick him up in my keeper league. From the pitcher standpoint, I really like Merrill Kelly. Um, I've been a fan of Merrill Kelly for a while, and then, of course, he had his injury. He's looked good so far. Nine and a third innings pitch, 13 strikeouts as well. A little higher whip than you want. The Cincinnati Reds are two and four. I could focus on Hunter Green and Nick Lodolo, but you probably heard a lot about those guys. Uh, very interesting long-term potential there. I want to talk about some of the hitters who have started uh, slow. Jonathan India, 192. But guess what? He picked it up as the season went on last year. Joey Votto, 143. He got hot the second half of the season last year. Tyler Naquin started hot, but he finished slow. That could be the same case this year. Um, so I, I'm really eyeing those guys. India, Votto, if you can buy low on them right now, again, if somebody wants to overreact to the slow start, Buy in now. Tyler Stevenson looking really good uh, fantasy-wise. Catcher value there. That's a, that's a big win for you at the catcher position. He's slugging. He's hitting for average. That's what you love to see. I will echo the whole make-win situation. Kyle Farmer 
looks really good here early on too. Um, the Reds lineup has actually stepped up a little more of an impressive uh, numbers pushing forward than I maybe expected, except for Tommy Fan, 0 for 15. And guess what, Derek? He has already had hand issues. So that's something to be concerned about if you are a fantasy owner of Tommy Fan. The Texas Rangers are not off to the start that they wanted this season. Just one win in five tries so far for the Rangers. Adelise Garcia has really struggled going back to his second half last year. I, I wonder if that's going to be something where he gets a demotion soon and eventually maybe finds a, a new setting of, of where to play. And Marcus Simeon has uh, not really had a hot start, to say the very least. Um, so that's something I'm kind of interested in. John Gray is a guy that I was circling before the season. He got lit up a little bit in the first start. I think I banged up a little bit too. Yeah, I'm curious to see what happens in this bullpen. Uh, is Joe Barlow going to be the closer? Apparently, they're going to try and have him as their firearm guy, so he may not actually get saves, and they'll go to more of a committee role. So that's kind of a, a turnoff for me in that department. Corey Seager's hitting well. It's just he's not slugging, and he's probably not seeing great pitches either. I think Mitch Garver is going to be a very solid contributor in fantasy from the catcher position. Uh, he's got good opportunities sitting in the three and four hole there. Jonah Heim, surprising me as well at catcher. He is uh, one of their younger prospects that uh, they are very much highly valuing and a good start for him in limited at-bats. Uh, Brad Miller, good pace as well that's actually been hitting fairly decent. Miami Marlins also one in four. We know about the top three pitchers with Lopez, Alcantara, and Rogers, but how about Jesus Lazardo? He was kind of an unknown after struggling a bit last year. Five innings pitched, 12 strikeouts, just two hits allowed. He could be dynamite for them, and that would make their staff even more scary. As far as the hitting, they don't have a ton, but uh, Jazz Chisholm has started hot like he did last year. Joey Wendell has been fantastic to begin the year. Jorge Soler off to another slow start, which it took a trade for him to get going last season. So uh, I, I don't think that's in his cards this year. I don't know. I'm kind of selling on Soler right now. I'm curious to watch this bullpen. Uh, similar to the Rangers that we just talked about, uh, who the heck is going to close even when Floro comes back? Is Floro going to be the closer? Um, they've kind of had a bit of down start so far with Anthony Bender there. They did acquire Cole Solcer, who was originally supposed to be the closer for the Baltimore Orioles before the season started. So curious to see what happens there. Lizardo, though, with that opening start was just brilliant. And from the lineup side of things, I will say I'm still very high on Jesus Sanchez. You see the power, you see the capabilities that he can hit for average. He's hitting in the three hole as well. Um, curious to see if he can maintain that. He was a former prospect uh, that was ranked near the top at one point. Okay, the Baltimore Orioles, one and five, expect to be one of the worst teams in the MLB. I don't have a ton to say about them. It is interesting. Cedric Mullins starts slow. If that continues, you're going to start to have questions. He was slow in the second half of, okay, maybe teams have figured him out. Maybe this just was a hot start at the beginning of the first half. Uh, if he can pick it up, that's great. But really, I'm just kind of waiting on those two big prospects to come up with uh, Grayson Rodriguez and uh, Adley Rutschman. But besides that, I, I guess maybe try to find some value in the bullpen. I don't know. What I don't understand is how Anthony Santander decides one season to be terrible and the next to be really, really good. Is this the year that he decides to be really, really good? Well, he started out pretty dang well. It's 400 on base percentage, over 600 as well. Um, yeah, it, the Orioles are not that sexy of a team. I think Cedric Mullins is definitely uh, room for concern. It's a little early for me in that department, but I love what I'm seeing from Ryan Mountcastle at the very least. Uh, Trey Mancini maybe scared me a little bit, at least with the drop-off in production. Uh, but at the end of the day, they are the Baltimore Orioles. So what do you really expect from them? I would not attack any of their pitchers. All right. That was our uh, 
half hour, you know, beer happy hour. That was shotgun, well done. Whatever. That was well yeah. done. That was pretty quick. Cheers to that. I will uh, take a sip of that because I didn't actually have a chance to sip this, and I'm glad about that, I think. <laughs> yeah. Hey, speed round. But uh, it was a fun one. Hopefully that helps you get updated a little bit on some of the teams. We'll be back for another edition of BNB next week for our 51st episode of Booze and Baseball. Don't forget to subscribe to us. You can find us on Twitter and social media at Booze and Baseball. You can shoot us an email if you want to suggest something, ask a question for a mailbag of the segment. Maybe we'll do a mailbag next week or something. Um, Booze and Baseball at gmail.com. For Dusty Baker, I'm Derek Johnson. Have a good rest of your night. Happy baseball season.